0: to this episode of the 9420 podcast where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Ninety Four Twenty Podcast. That was Sam Gyllenhaal band with Vices. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Hi, hey, Carl.
1: Hi, Gr- Carl and
2: Greg. Hey, Carl and Greg.
1: And as usual, let's start Nicole. off with a great big
0: smile. Ooh. Oh, you're smiling this week.
1: Week six yeah. of Invisalign. Yeah, I'm seeing Can you your- see I- it
2: moving. No, I see nothing moving. No. Do you
0: still, still have the nothing. migraines? Yeah. And do you, do see, you still have the headaches?
2: I see my checkbook moving.
1: <laughs> my checkbook's moving. That's about it. My 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 bank account's moving down. but my, my teeth aren't straightening, so we'll see what
2: happens. Hey, shout out to that track. Uh, that's some real commercial songwriting there.
1: Well, I I, 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 yeah, I, I like love it. stuff like that. I love like you're my Kurt Cobain. I mean, you Yeah, 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 yeah. Kurt yeah. Cobain. I thought it was cool.
2: It's, very, yeah. it's clever, and it's. Uh, I think it's commercial. yeah. There you go. There you oh, go.
1: Oh, just get right into it. Don <laughs> Kushner Jr. Junior, <laughs> Jr.'s tip number 640: when recording a song, try to make it commercial.
2: Commercial.
0: Commercial.
1: <laughs> try to record a song that other people may
2: like. That kids will like. <laughs> it's, it's good to clean your room too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God man, I remember on uh, Raider Record. Remember that from American bands? I love that.
1: So, yeah, it's got a good some beat. Some girl Beatty said, uh,
2: "I was watching a bunch of them recently. You know, kind of on a retro channel on YouTube." And some girl said, "I like it. It would be cool to clean your room too." That's that was you her go. review.
1: No, it, it, it's a good tune. So, kudos. So, anyway, another week. What's going on uh, on the this week? What are we talking about?
0: Well, we are talking about something that came out with Spotify. Greg kind of turned us on to it a couple of days ago. So, I mean, Greg, where did you find that? And, and let, let's kind of dive into it.
2: It might have come up in my Google keyword alert for music discovery. You know, I've been less than enthusiastic about uh, the service that our brethren at um, Spotify provide uh, the creative community. I think that's a way to, one way to say it. Uh, I I don't think it's a, a stellar service, and I think that uh, people. Well, it's have a great service in the sense of to streaming. functionality.
1: It works great. You know, it, it plays good. You can get your songs, and so functionality. Yeah, that's it's interesting.
2: Great. It's interesting that you bring that up because you know I've always avoided it. It's never really worked well on my phone, but yet you sent me the uh, link to our account. And on the PC, uh, it works splendidly. And I actually created a playlist associated with my top 20 favorite things that have been featured here at 9420. That's called, what's it called? Music from the void from the void. So I would encourage people to go out and, uh, seek that out on Spotify on 9420. We might
1: add, um, Sam's new song to it.
2: Yeah. Basically, it's come to light and people are complaining about the idea that if you are willing to give up a certain portion of your royalty rate that Spotify agrees to pay you, they will make you, in essence, more discoverable by, I guess, having you participate in some algorithms that aren't available to everyone.
0: Yeah, it's their discovery mode platform in exchange for a reduced royalty rate. They're
1: trying to sell artists on the concept, concept less is more.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, artists less is more. uh, But, you know, just as I had suspected, I mean, the bottom line is that it really is not lucrative for independent artists to uh, chase discovery on Spotify. It's just not lucrative. I think what's sort of distasteful about it is that you're being asked to bargain away what little leverage you have and what little income potential you have with their massive service that, you know, you're being asked to at considerable expense to you by percentage, you're being asked to purchase the discovery that they claim is part of their service.
0: Yeah, for yeah, basically, like you get put on this platform so that you, not necessarily guaranteed more streams, but are on playlists that have way more earballs well, what, on what, them. What so. evil,
1: evil non-musician corporate guy thought of this? Because it's kind of like a slap in the face.
0: But here's the thing, too. In the article, they're talking about the fact that Spotify also, because it's in beta or whatever beta is, um, they haven't necessarily been transparent about what the percentages actually are that they're giving to these independent artists. So it could be that they're negotiating different percentages with different artists or like the labels get a smaller percent, but they're charging independents bigger percent. So a lot of the argument is, is there's not a lot of transparency around it and they don't know how fair it, it is to the independents versus the labels.
2: Just as always, you know, uh, the lack of transparency, you know, artists don't seem to care. They're going to, you know, they're going to dance with whoever brought them. That's a problem in and of well, who's itself. Who's ever having
1: the dance,
2: you know? It's a, <laughs> right, right. You got
1: to dance somewhere, you know, or else they just dance in the streets, <laughs> you know.
2: You know, I I just keep hearkening back to the idea that if I had a band today, or if I had a a recording that I needed to promote, I read that there are somewhere north of one billion with a B. Playlists available at Spotify.
1: Oh yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Discovery is unimaginable at this it's, point.
1: It's, yeah, it's all just hit or missing luck. Like I wonder if like Billie Eilish or or people like her understand the the magnitude of the luck that they have where they are like do, uh, in the stratosphere of the music industry yeah
2: that's an interesting do they
1: really understand do they premise. think they're that good to deserve to be there or do they realize the amazing luck that b- was bestowed on them to get there anyway mm. so like I, I think like so if you're an artist out there i feel for you man you gotta do this because you love it you know and uh
2: you got to do it, you because you love it, and put a group of people you know, surround yourself with people that will evangelize your work, you know, and maybe just maybe we get back to some personal connections and business networking, and we're not chasing something that's one in a billion.
1: I'm cutting you off what I'm doing is <laughs> is uh Cut. I've become a baker.
2: A big- <laughs> oh, that's right. Have you heard about the ninety four twenty bakery? Uh, <laughs> no,
0: explain, are we selling these on the well, website? Let me explain now?
1: what baking. <laughs> let me explain what baking is.
2: Hot cross So, buns. so
1: Easter, I went to my sister's house because I live in apartments. When my mom moved, all the stuff from the basement went to my sister's basement. So, I got brought back this box of my reel to reel tapes I recorded from when I was twelve to like around seventeen. There's about fifteen or twenty of these reel to reel tapes, with all these songs I wrote. Like it's it's crazy nonsense, but anyway, I haven't heard in decades. Right? Some of these tapes go back to nineteen seventy. Right? That's fifty years ago. Fifty two years ago. So anyway, reel to reel tapes. The emotion of the tapes over time, it disintegrates, and in order to get them to the play again because of the moisture, you have to like bake them. You know, and uh, in an,
0: in an oven. It, well, let me
1: explain. Yeah. Well, you got to give them heat. You know, and, you know, 130 degrees for a certain amount of time, like, you know, four to six hours, depending, you know. Anyway, so I called this one guy who does this restoration stuff. He quoted me, like, for the amount of tapes I've got, three to $5,000. I said, I can't pay $5,000 for these tapes. So I said, let me, let me Google. So I Googled and I found this one guy who says, you know what? Those guys, you don't need any of that. He says, I, I did this myself. I bought this American Master... Fruit dehydrator. <laughs> it it costs $48. It, it's supposed to like, you heat up fruit to dehydrate fruit. Yeah. It costs $48. bucks. i am waiting for it to come in the mail. You know, I bought it already. You know, and you just put the tapes in there, and you can set the temperature and do that. And then I found my old tape recorder, the actual one I had, a Sony TC366. I found it on um Reverb. You know that place? You know, it's like an eBay mm-hmm. for music stuff. And for 400 bucks, So I sent away for that. So I'm waiting for this stuff to come. So I got to start baking all my tapes and then transfer them all with my new tape recorder. To uh, so that's my new project. So I'm baking now. I'm baking my.
2: So if you're within the sound of our voice and you have tapes that need to be. Well, Realize, well, not yet, not yet, because I don't know if it
1: works, but I, I, I bought all this junk. Let's see if it works. It might not I bet work. It,
0: I know. I bet it does, because here's the thing. I have baked or dehydrated uh, fruit in my actual oven, and it's worked perfectly. So if you're getting this like actual fruit dehydrator, I bet it's going to work.
2: Well, they used to use like conventional like pizza ovens that, that had been rewired to, I guess, bake at a lower temperature, but- I told Carl uh, recently, we were talking about this uh, tape baking. And I said, I worked with one of the guys that worked for Sony in the 90s. And he was like the preeminent baker of tapes. Extremely accomplished. His name was Mark Wilder. We were having a conversation about baking tape. And he said, yeah, you know, it's like, it's really kind of creepy. I said, yeah, I, I can't imagine how you could bring yourself to do it and he said yeah uh, i didn't have a problem until i slid born to run into the oven <laughs> you know i mean an iconic you right, know right. Uh, album and it's like the oh, white goodness. album
1: goodness
2: yeah exactly
1: you are going to
2: put it in a pizza oven for 30 minutes
1: right it works let's well, see and, i'll, I'll I mean, let you guys know is maybe what i'll do <laughs> we'll have a segment where i'll play one lousy track of a show <laughs>
2: It'll be
0: great. I think that would be fun.
2: Okay, so no, I'm, I'm telling fun. you. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm I'm very excited to get into the head of twelve year old. Oh, it's, it's
1: it's craziness. It's like <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to the songs. It's like I, I, I vaguely remember you know, some of it like, oh man.
2: There's nothing better than nineties psychedelics. And I, no, it's not like
1: nineties, it's working seventies and like
2: 70s well that's even better and I better. used to
1: like um sing with an accent because I thought it was cool so I sang like Anthony Newley when the guy <laughs> comes to the world I'm going oh man it's gotta be it's gonna be embarrassing but I will subject I will subject my, you to my stupid I'm a huge Tony oh. anyway let's let's play yeah. some more music by Sam
0: Sounds good. Which, by the way, can we just acknowledge the fact that we're talking about tape baking on 420? Like, we're. Well, <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Yeah, I just looked at the calendar and I was like, of all days that we need to be talking about this, it is I, I
2: 420. I saw a funny meme last night. Of course, I guess it's been seen a million times, but it's like, it's 419. You know, don't forget to set out your milk and cookies for Willie Nelson. <laughs>
0: right, right,
1: right. Anyway, so we're going to play some music. What are we going
0: to do? We are. So we are going to learn a little bit more about 9420 Crowdfund. And on the backside of that, we're going to listen to Mary Does by Sam Gyllenhaal Band. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 9420 Crowdfund. 9420 Crowdfund, the premier crowdfunding platform for indie music artists. Get the best elements of crowdfunding without all the hassle. To learn more, go to 9420crowdfund.com. Again, that is 9420crowdfund.com.
3: She's a twist of fate, runaway, sunny day girl. With angry lemonade spinning my world around. And I'm a goner now. I've been spending my money and all of my time doing her dishes and drinking her wine. Getting no sleep. She's better than my best dreams. What Mary does to me She can save my soul and set it free Take me high Take me high Higher every heartbeat yeah, That's what Mary does to me I'm a fallen heart, open heart Tied fool, making promises to keep on a one day my soul and set it free. Take Take me high. high. Take Take me me high. high. Yeah, that's what may
2: Cool nothing like a Mary song
0: the reason that we found the Sam Gillenhall band is because Elena from one of our favorite duos maybe April is actually featured on Mary does So that's kind of huh. how I found them on Instagram as I saw her face and I was like this isn't maybe April and the song did she
2: co- did she co-write?
0: I really don't know we'll probably find out when we mm. talk to uh, Sam Gillenhall band in a few minutes but
2: because I think that the songwriting is uh, on point. You know, I think the songwriting is, is the kind of thing that somebody else might consider cutting yeah. if they've got a career going, you know?
0: Well, and what drew me in, too, was the the start of it when they started doing, like, the harmonies and the melodies, and I was like, this is pretty right. kind of cool. Like, this yeah. is awesome, especially right. with Elena on it, too. They've always, maybe April's always brought beautiful harmonies yeah, to the table. So. so we
1: spoke to um, Sam, right?
0: We did. So we did speak to Sam and the band. They answered our questions of the week. So what are they, What
1: are these questions we ask people?
0: So the first question we ask them is to tell us a little about themselves.
4: Right. I'm Sam Gyllenhaal of Sam Gyllenhaal Band. And the other two members of my band are Alex Schreiner and Elena Stacey. I'm from North Carolina. Alex is from San Francisco and Elena is from Chicago. But we all live... In Nashville now, and we lean heavily on our three-part harmonies, and uh, basically just try to get songs stuck in people's heads.
1: So I guess Elena's in the band now. I guess
0: yeah, Elena's in the band. I'm excited. I really do think that they have a good kind of vibe together. You know so, remind
1: me at some points of that chorus. I'll, I'll date myself a little, but remember that band Orleans from the '70s, Greg.
2: Yep. it
1: says some of the Orleans And homie.
2: Starland Focal Band and all those all those bands that had like kind of a female uh, uh under voice. Uh, yeah, yep, yep.
1: All right. So what else do we ask more questions?
0: We did. So the second question we asked them is to tell us what music projects you're currently working on.
2: So, we're
4: always writing. We're constantly songwriting. And we released our first single of the year back in March called Mary Does. And our plan is to release a single per month this year. So for April, it'll be a song called Blame It on the Moonlight. And I'm finishing up the mixing on that song right now, actually. And it'll be uh, released soon. So we're kind of doing everything in-house right now, as opposed to going out and working with producers, which is kind of what we've done in the past. So it's an exciting year for us in that respect.
0: I'm just impressed with them kind of having it all in-house, how commercial and how quality it sounds. That's kind of where I would have never thought that it was produced in-house. So we asked them, what other music artists have inspired your career so far?
4: We draw inspiration from so, so, so many artists. All three of us have really broad musical tastes, that's for sure. For me, I grew up on bluegrass and folk music, a lot of Beatles. And then when I really started forming my own musical tastes, um, I started listening to a lot of classic rock radio in the car, right, like when I was getting my license. And um, I think a lot of those songs kind of infiltrated my musical DNA and kind of really wedged themselves in there in my head. But since then, you know, I re-listened to everything from like Katy Perry to Leonard Cohen to like Fleet Foxes. So it's pretty random. And all of our songs are co-written with two or three other people. So, you know, when you bring people with other musical influences into the mix hopefully you can wind up with something really unique
1: you know what i have a f- I, I just have a new thing i just thought of you can't write a song in a style i think songs are just songs i think what makes a song a genre is how it's produced at their most fundamental level it is words and melody it's how you put it together that makes it a rock song or a metal song and or a americana song right
2: well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the meter of lyric, I mean, certainly rap, rap is going to well, be no, different. I'm
1: not calling about rap, but I think you could take Metallica songs, you know, slow them down, play them with the banjo, and it could be Americana.
0: Well, and I, so I will say this too. Um, what do they just do with a? There's a show Bridgerton, on Netflix, and all they do is they remix all of these pop songs into classical tunes. So they did an, I think it was Alanis Morissette's um, *Ironic*, right. and they put it in there, there you go. and it. It, it, it was beautiful, and you would have never thought that that was, unless you knew Alanis Morissette and that song, that that was the pop song, but it was the same lyrics, the same melody, just played differently. And I th- feel like artists have done that too, which, which is how they get around, or at least they think they get around, not necessarily copying someone else's stuff, is they remix it into a, a different genre or something.
2: Sometimes I think, the pro- I call them production-driven things, where sometimes they do not hold up as chords on a piano and a vocal or guitar vocal demos. They don't hold up that way. You know, particularly like uh, the really strong, aggressive genres like speed metal. You know, if you do, uh, if you decide you're going to do an acoustic guitar vocal version of a speed metal track, you likely are not going to have anything to play. I disagree. I think so, you. Can, I've,
1: I, I've, I've heard many a speed metal song re-transferred into like a polka.
2: And I, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: By the way, we have to give a shout out. This is like the third person. It it only took eighty seven episodes for people to really yeah, understand Be- Carl's Be- true Be- love of the Beatles the Beatles, are <laughs> starting, like it.
1: you know they're starting to rise, man. the last three acts, have all mentioned Beatles. And then what else do we ask? Uh, these,
0: Our uh, favorite question. What does a successful music career look like for you? Okay.
4: A successful music career for me, being able to make music and not have to rely on a day job, uh, which we all have day jobs right now. So we're all kind of, you know, working two jobs, two, two full-time jobs. And so the dream would be to just do the one, to do music and not have to do anything else. And then really to be able to tour and perform as much as possible with our original music performing is like our favorite part of the entire process for all three of us we've talked extensively about that so the more we get to perform particularly our original stuff the more we'll feel like we're doing what we're meant to do and and, and doing it successfully
0: the last question we asked them was what are your thoughts on the music discovery process today Greg's favorite question okay
4: the discovery process in music today is is beautiful and it's also kind of a freaking mess. You know, if we're talking about it from a perspective of being discovered by industry folks, and I think it can be a little tough out there since a lot of the industry folks have to make their decisions based off of social media numbers. And, you know, we don't like that. And I don't think that they really like it either. I think they would rather sign people based off of their musical abilities and that's just kind of not the world we live in right now they don't have a lot of money to take chances on people i think and so they have to really have the numbers to back up signing somebody Um, which i get i you know i understand that i understand where that comes from though when you talk about fans fans discovering new music i think it's a beautiful thing because there are infinite ways to discover new music whether you know you're going back and discovering some artist from the 80s who's got like amazing b-sides or you know some soundcloud rapper making music in his mom's basement um, it's all cool yeah,
1: I, I like that point he made. He's right. You know, it's good. We, yep. it's nice. great. It's great to be able to go back to. I love that I can do that too. Even for me, I can go back and revisit stuff that I haven't heard of. And oh, wait, what about that one tune? And then you just go Spotify and go, wow! And then you can play this this band's music. Go, wow! I never realized they had all this stuff. So I'm discovering acts that I knew from 30 years ago. That wow, these guys were really good.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that he's one of the first artists that we've talked with that like made the differentiation right. between we when we say music discovery we're we're not really concerned with whether or not you know the a and r guy at warner hears you or not because quite frankly it's his job to listen for you and it's his job to discover you or her job to discover right. you so i'm not interested in that i'm interested in you know, how do I find those thousand people that are going to pay me a hundred dollars? You know,
1: I've been, you know, you know, the last three or four years I've been in these offices with these A&R people or these agents and, and in with them comes this social media guy, you know, who knows nothing about the music industry and, and is throwing right. like, you know. You know, digital numbers at you like followers and like you know likes and all this analytics and garbage, which I still think never necessarily translate into anything concrete. Half the time, you know, you know, well, this one has two hundred forty thousand followers. Yeah, but so what? Well, yeah, I mean,
2: but they couldn't raise five. Right, grand. it's the
1: whole thing. So, like, to me, the social media nonsense—it's like smoke and mirrors. And and oh no, but no. look at all the engagement. What engagement? Who cares? I think we should, you know, pull the plug, pull the plug.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I do think it would be interesting. I have not seen a lot of people or talked to a lot of people that have connected, you know, like their social media network that have actually connected it to physical spaces that they intend to play or whether or not their social media informs their booking strategy. No, I... I've not talked to a lot of bands that are doing it at that level, but maybe your Instagram account can sell 100 tickets at an upcoming date. Maybe it can. I would like to see somebody demonstrate. It's definitely
1: a tool for like you know people working and stuff, but it shouldn't be the barometer for how why you get signed because you have how many. It's stupid.
0: Well it it just comes down to it's not necessarily about the followers that you have, but how many of them are actually engaged? Have they actually gone and like streamed your music somewhere? Like there's so many other innuendos to that like you can't just say, I have a million followers and like that that's it. There's just oh,
2: yeah.
0: that stuff makes me
2: I think it's just a red herring it, it It's a red herring that labels use and management companies. And all the rest, it's a it's a red herring that the industry uses to put you on your heels if you're trying to get a deal from them.
1: On that note,
0: should we get on out of this episode? All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. Make sure that you listen all the way through to the end because we'll be playing one more song by Sam Hall band called Don't Look Down. For everything that we spoke about in this episode, we will link it in our show notes. So make sure that you go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters TW And subscribe. Subscribe. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later.
3: When I was five years old I was told I could be whatever I wanted So at time I tied my cape and told myself I was bound to fly It's 17 Toyota Wings took off on a wild hair rocket My share of bruises and battle scars. Yeah, cheap success and safety nets only ever left me hang. So I chase what's out of reach and thank my lucky stars.